Hi, Gwenny. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. Doing pretty good. 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 How are you? I'm I'm good. Um, maybe since I think this might be the first or one of the first times that listeners are hearing you, maybe you could introduce yourself and say uh, what you do on the show or what you've been doing. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Gwenny Govea. My full name is actually Guinevere, but everybody calls me Gwenny. And I'm an intern here at Stitcher, and I'm working on the Atlas Obscura podcast. Uh, and where are you based? I am based in Houston, Texas right now. That's that's mm-hmm. awesome. I, I've always, you know, it's funny. I've been to Texas a bunch of times. I've been to Austin. I've been to El Paso. I've been to Dallas, Fort Worth a bunch of times. I've never been to Houston. And it's always kind of seemed like, I mean, this is, I apologize in advance, uh, but like, like Dallas, Fort Worth is okay. Like, I always felt like Houston was the cool, (laughs) was like a cool, big Texas city. Um, You know, I I don't know. There's, there's like interesting stuff that there's like an art car parade or like a funerary museum. Like there's a bunch of stuff I've always Mm -hmm. wanted to see there. Do you check out any of that like Atlas Obscura type stuff when in the city? Yeah, I actually recently went to this house in Houston. It's a place that's pretty famous here. Mm. Uh, they always feature it on January 24th, which is National Beer Can Day on the news. Um, <laughs> and what it is, is it's this house completely covered in beer cans. And it's really something to see. I would love to learn more about this and possibly be involved in making my own. Please take take us there. Sure. I'm Gwenny Govea, and this is Atlas Obscura, an exploration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to a beloved but unusual landmark that's just very, very Houston. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Now playing in Los Angeles. Exquisite food and drink, world-class art everywhere, spectacular sports, and dazzling Hollywood attractions. L.A. offers the full variety of food scene, from game-changing taco trucks to 35 Michelin stars— And did you know that Los Angeles has more museums and theaters than New York? It is indeed scandalous, but also unfortunately true. So get your fix in music, film, comedy, or world-class museums in L.A. Plus, you can get a behind-the-scenes movie magic with a world-famous studio tour. That is something that should be on everybody's bucket list. Start here with discoverla.com. 
When you drive up to the beer can house, you are surrounded by these really tall, pristine white townhomes and this really cute sort of gentrified pink uh-huh. um, apartment <laughs> building. And it's the Rice Military neighborhood, so it's it's very high-end, um, very, mm. you know, fancy. And then as you're driving by it, you notice this little tiny 1938 mid-century bungalow and it's shiny it looks like a sparkly new year's eve dress in the sun and it's completely covered in what looks like aluminum and what looks like christmas tree tinsel but when you look closer it's actually beer cans is is what you're seeing the entire house is is covered in beer cans. <laughs> and it sounds like there's even, you said tinsel. Does that mean beer cans have been like cut into ribbons? Yes, actually, there are parts of the house where beer cans have been cut into little ribbons and they make wind chimes. And those are like on little mounds of concrete uh-huh. that are surrounding the house as well. So it's, there are a bunch of different like sort of little sculptures around the house as well, also that come from different parts of beer cans. I'm finding that the um, name of this house is actually quite quite accurate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so the beer can house is covered in beer cans, but they give tours. You can go inside of it. What is what is that like? Yeah, so the inside of the house is actually surprisingly pretty normal and it it looks like you stepped into the 1940s. Here, let's look in here and I'll show you some of the stuff inside the house. That's Pete Gershon. Uh, He showed me around the beer can house and gave me a tour of the place. We've kept the inside pretty much intact. It looks much the same as when the Milkovich family lived here. I'll pause before. The original color scheme, you know, this hasn't changed. So Pete actually wrote a book about the beer can house and visionary art in Houston. So he knows a lot about the place and he knows a lot about John Milkovich, who's the guy that made it. He just liked to drink beer. It was a fun, he liked it. He had a a huge beer belly to match. I think it's quite quite obvious. And uh, he saved all these cans. He grew up during the depression, right? And like learned to never throw anything away. So he was hoarding these flattened cans in the attic here and in the attic of his mom's house, saving them up in bundled stacks, knowing someday he was going to use them for something. What kind of beer are we talking about here? Yeah, there are actually a lot of different types of beer around the house. Um, Some of them don't exist anymore, but there's Texas Pride, Coors. Um, I think I saw a Bud Light. Uh (laughs) There's one called Stella something. I don't know beer very well. (laughs) Stella Artois, I think. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And there's a pretty broad range. As a matter of fact, the ones you see out here that are a little bit yellow uh, and say 96 on them. Uh, This is apparently some kind of locale beer that his wife Mary liked to drink. So this, so if you saw this in 1982, you would have seen a uh, a eye-popping patchwork of reds and blues and greens and like every color. But you can see the sun will just zap all the reds out. Really all that's left is yellows, some blues, uh, you know, a, you know, a little bit of this kind of gold color. But like uh, he really, this whole house is entirely covered in beer cans. Uh, uh, quick question. Do you know how many beer cans there are on the house? Like a rough estimate? 
I believe there are 50,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is like actually kind of a monumental project. Like how did he actually go about covering the house? Did he start with the roof? Did he start with the walls? How did it work? Yeah. Well, uh, Pete was able to show me a lot of the original tools that John used. And so I got to see firsthand sort of the process behind it. He would fashion a two by four foot panel out of several cans. He would tape these things together, but he would also, uh, with a punch, which I believe is this strange tool with the teeth on the end of it. I think he used that to kind of stab holes into it that he could then wire or rivet these things together and then apply to the house. There's a moisture barrier behind all the can panels, so there was at least that amount of forethought to it. The whole thing sort of took a lot of trial and error, and it took about 20 years for him to complete the whole entire house. This is kind of like, this was sort of like part of his life's work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, after he retired, he just went ahead and did this whole thing, and it was his whole project. He drank a six pack of beer every day. I initially, I didn't even think that he he knew why he did it. And he knew why he he sort of covered his house in beer cans. There's a quote in his house. It says, sometimes I lie awake at night trying to figure out why I do it. I don't, I like, I like this kind of outsider or visionary art where it is really just responding to like an innate human desire to change your environment to sort of, make it special, make it yours, make it unique. Yeah. Like I, I, I vibe with that so deeply. And I, and I think it's like a lot of people in, in that world, they don't think of them. They certainly don't think of themselves as fine artists. And even just, yeah. it's sort of just like, I just do it because it's the thing that seems like what I should do. I just want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think you can see that in a lot of the different art that he has in and around his house. There are a bunch of like strange signs in the house as well that he made out of beer cans. He made, uh, these used to be out on the curb, these planter boxes mm -hmm. that he would put these sayings on that mm -hmm. don't necessarily mean anything. Yes, yes, we kit. You know, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. He just wanted people to be confused and think it meant something and drive themselves crazy trying to figure it out. Yeah. How did his wife feel about this? How did his family feel about it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think his wife was a fan, um, from what I've been told. <laughs> that's a big, yeah. that's a fairly large marital issue you got on your hands there. Uh, yeah. 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 No, something that was so funny that, that Pete told me was that um, the way that John built the house, it was like he did it row by row, and he put these flattened beer cans around the house very slowly, almost so that his wife, Mary, did not notice it happening as it was happening. <laughs> But eventually... The old yeah. frog in the pot trick until suddenly you're like, wait, my whole house is covered in beer cans. Something's happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I imagine she caught on yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. And that that's actually the reason why the whole interior of the house is so normal. Because she wanted a space for herself. This is classic <laughs> marital work here. This is your zone. <laughs> this is my zone. Never shall the twain meet. Okay, that, yeah, it makes sense. Yes. Um, uh, and what about, like, what about his neighbors? Like, he had, he lived in, like, a normal street. His, the house is, like, not way out in the boonies or something. How did his neighbors feel about it? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think his neighbors can complain now because um, it's a landmark. But (laughs) I imagine, you know, the the beer cans just singing in the wind on on windy days and making those sort of wind chime sounds. They do get pretty noisy. And Pete was able to recreate that sound for me. It wasn't a super windy day, but... um, It was very loud, so I, I imagine they were not very happy. I love that it's not just. I love that it's also acoustically uh, aggressive. It's like it's yeah. like yeah. Out, first off, the house is covered in beer cans. Second off, you can hear the beer cans when in, you're inside <laughs> your own home. That's a real. That's yeah. a power move. Uh, uh, I, I assume John's passed away. He's he's no longer in the house. Is that is that right? Yes, yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, he passed away in 1988, and then in 2002, after his wife passed, um, the Orange Show for Visionary Art, uh, where Pete works, um, actually, they acquired the place, and they opened it to the public, and they take care of it now, and they sort of keep up with, with maintenance of the house and, and things like that. All of these kinds of things, whether it's roadside attractions or, like, giant dinosaurs built in the 30s, uh, all the stuff built on Route 66, things like the Beer Can House— they're very challenging to preserve because they weren't built by people who necessarily were thinking about the long term. You know, oftentimes they were built with whatever was around, in this case, beer cans. Uh And so they present really interesting preservation challenges. And it sounds like that's the case with the beer can house. Yeah, it's a pretty big effort by both the Orange Show and the whole Houston community. And a lot of the um, can top garlands that you see around here, these have been refabricated over time by volunteers. These things are very delicate and they're constantly being blown down in the wind. So uh, yeah, a site like this requires constant maintenance and upkeep. It will never be done. If people want to come in and spend a few hours on a Sunday afternoon, we got you covered. We can set you up. We can show you the right way to pull a weed. Something like the beer can house can feel maybe, you know, I think when you first mention it to someone, sort of frivolous or even, uh, like, you know, kind of trashy. But, like, having been there and seen it for yourself, what were your impressions coming out of it? Yeah, well, I actually thought that it was very magical. Like, it was a cool experience Mm. to be there. And and I think that it, it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts in Houston because it's so eclectic and, and so authentic. Another great part of it is the story behind John and just how authentic he is as a person. This is, this is a very Houston story, and John was very Houston. This guy was not trying to impress you. This guy was not trying to sell you anything. He was doing his own thing in his own yard. And no zoning Houston, where if you want to put a bunch of beer cans on your house, gosh darn it, nobody is going to tell you you can't put a bunch of beer cans on your house in Houston. And that's what he did. It's a a real Houston tale is what it is. You can visit the Beer Can House and other Houston visionary art, including The Orange Show, by going to orangeshow.org. The house is open from 1 to 5 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. And a special thanks to Pete Gershon for touring me around the Beer Can House. Be sure to check out Pete's book about visionary art in Houston called Painting the Town Orange. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes 
Dylan Therese. Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Willis Ryder Arnold. Sarah Wyman. Manolo Morales. McKenna Smith. Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson. John Delore. Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. I'm Guinevere Govea. Thanks so much for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.